don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. Violent, don't wanna have a vendetta, don't wanna be vengeful, no. I don't wanna be a soldier, don't wanna be militaristic, don't wanna help that cycle, I just wanna be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Dillim, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. Just wanna be me. Hey there, Dunker Punks. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the Dunker Punks podcast. My name is Emmett Wachowski Eldred, and I'm one of your hosts along with Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald. In today's episode, we're going to hear from Kiana Simonson. Kiana is a young adult member of the Church of the Brethren. She spent a year in BVS and have, uh, since then has been living in Cincinnati, where she's been making her way as a creative there. This isn't Kiana's first time on the Dunker Punks podcast. Uh, she previously appeared in a conversation that I hosted at Young Adult Conference where we had a couple young adults sit down and talk about their experiences growing up in the Church of the Brethren and their hopes and also some of their worries about the church. And there, Kiana talks about one of my favorite facts about her, which is that she's a literal Dunker Punk uh, because she's a member of the Church of the Brethren and she also plays in a punk band. And so it's no surprise that Kiana has a lot of friends in the creative community in Cincinnati. And she had a really great idea for this episode, which was to bring a couple of her friends together just to talk. And they have a really great conversation that touches on a lot of things. They talk about their backgrounds and uh, their perspectives on life. They also talk about what it's like to be a creative living in a small city like Cincinnati. They also touch upon their faith background and their current um, interactions with faith and they they do talk about where they see issues of peace and justice interacting with their lives and and how they uh, seek to live out principles of peace in their daily lives 
what I really appreciate about this episode is that it almost feels like you're a fly on the wall listening to a pretty average, normal, realistic conversation that's going on between friends. And that's because it is a normal conversation that goes on between friends. But it's also a conversation that Kiana directs towards those deeper topics. And, and she hits a really nice balance at that. Another reason that I'm really excited about this episode is because a lot of our conversations, and naturally so, and a lot of our episodes on the Dunker Punks podcast tend to really be Church of the Brethren-centric. And so I think it's very refreshing to hear um, thoughts and perspectives from people that aren't from the Church of the Brethren and really feel uh, quite alienated from faith overall. I think that one of the things that Dunker Punks seek to do is reevaluate and reframe what it means to be a person of faith. And part of that means being critical about uh, the things that we take for granted in faith practice that feel um, and truly are hypocritical or inauthentic or do pull us away from scripture. And I think that one of the best ways to capture those, is as hard as we try as people of faith to do that from the inside, is to hear the perspective of people uh, looking from the outside in and wishing for us to be better and more aligned with the values that we claim. And so while I appreciate everything that our participants have had to say during this conversation, I was especially drawn to moments when they talk about um, the church and how it sometimes deviates from what um, would be a really scriptural interpretation of a Christian ministry, whether it is being lavish in our church buildings, in our church leadership, um, really putting money on, on an altar, or whether it is not being real uh, agents for peace and justice, and instead um, using scripture as a weapon, using scripture as a tool to alienate and ostracize others. And also the very genuine trauma that can come from uh, finding that you need to leave a faith circle, um, from being raised by your parents in a faith tradition, but leaving that tradition because you felt burned by it, because you felt betrayed by it, because you felt that the values they claim aren't the values that they put into practice. And so I really appreciate our participants in the podcast today being so willing to be open and honest and frank about that, um, but to do so in a spirit of generosity, to do so um, because that's what's on their hearts. One last thing that I will say is that um, I've spent a lot of time with creative people as well. I had a very creative major in college, and so um, it seems like creatives more than even uh, most young people uh tend to use some colorful language, and that is, that's part of our podcast today. Um, you know, I really hope that you don't construct that as a barrier that keeps you from listening and hearing what they have to say. Um, I think that this is one of the things that people of faith uh, wrongly index uh, towards what it means to live a Christian life. Um, I think you'll find some pretty colorful language in scripture as well. And what you find is that God cares a whole lot more about um, the things that your words reflect about your heart than um, the things our culture says about which words are acceptable and which ones aren't. Um, so with that said, you will hear um, some four-letter words in here. Um, I urge you not to let that get in the way, but I did want to give you the fair warning that it's there. So without any more ado, uh, I want to say thank you again to Kiana for hosting this conversation, and I'll give it away to her. Hello, Dunker.
Cyberpunks. My name is Kiana Simonson. I am currently the intern for On Earth Peace, doing young adult ministries. Uh, I served a year term in Brother and Volunteer Service, moving from California to Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, where I then made an entrance into the art community the best I could, learning a lot about myself. And so today I have some guests here to talk about uh, just some different things happening in the art community in Cincinnati, peacemaking, justice, uh, interpersonal communication, things like that. So please welcome our guests.
my turn. Yeah. What was the question? Uh, did you feel welcome when you first started trying to like break into any sort of music scene? Um, I agree with Diego. It was like yes and no. Um, I was really welcomed into the punk community when I first started coming here. Like um, Last House on the Left when that was still a thing, Inside Central when that was still a thing, and like a lot of the DIY spaces. Um, mostly because I was underage and that's where the parties were and yeah. you know whatever. But um, breaking into the more like serious booking community and like um, touring music community of Cincinnati was a little more difficult. Uh, just kind of coming out of nowhere and being a part of it and. Um, especially as, like, a, a female or a femme or whatever, um, kind of navigating the spaces of, like, who's being nice to me because they like my music, who's being nice to me because they're trying to sleep with me. I think that's also something, you know, maybe you experience, too. Yeah. It, there's just, a, you know, it's like any community of people. There's both, like, the work side of it and then the personal side of it. So, and that's probably very prevalent here. Yeah. It's even prevalent with, like, uh even if you're not in bands, like, seeing who wants to be your friend and mm-hmm. who just wants to come to your show. Yeah, um, yeah. I've noticed that, at least in my experience, uh, that tends to happen less, but it's, like, very obvious when people just want to be your friend to so go to their show. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, um, it's interesting to navigate being someone's fan and being their friend and then also yeah. having that um, towards you. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a, a competitive vibe in Uh, what kind of background did you guys come from as far as, like, uh, growing up? What kind of, like, area did you live in, house, economic, social status, um, that um, kind of thing? Cool, yeah. So, um, I, my background is Mexican, uh, full-blooded. Immigrants, <laughs> uh, I'm the, I guess, first-generation American. Um, I would assume, I don't actually know what the correct term, but yeah, um, so we were low income, um, and then my father passed away, so it was my mom taking care of three kids, two teenagers, and then my brat ass. Um, so it was low income, my mom was always in the hustle, so my brother, sister, and I all kind of raised each other, um, and that was in Chicago. We lived um, in the hood, um, and then our friends were dying getting shot so and my mom being a single woman in Chicago a very pretty Latina woman um, would get harassed a lot um, would have a lot of like some very scary run-ins with uh, men uh, waiting for the bus waiting for the train has you know the list goes on and on so my mom decided to pack up and move to Cincinnati to a suburb um and then that was fine. Um, we lived in apartments. We were still like lower class, but it was a lot nicer than Chicago. Um, and then I got lots of money from Pasqua. So <laughs> if that tells you anything. So yeah. And now I'm just a college boy out here in my hustle. And doing really well for yourself. Thank you. you. Should say that. I think I think you I do. have like a full time job. You have like two, right? Yep. Two full-time jobs? Well, I have, um, like, a full-time job and, like, a part, part-time job. So, like, a call. It's, like, a... full-time student. I'm a full-time student. I'm gonna just brag for you. <laughs> you have, like, scholarships, and, like, your job is really impressive. Like, you have a job job. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're really inspirational. I appreciate you saying it. I'm 21, guys. <laughs> I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen. Are you done? I'm done. Um... 
I was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, my mom was really poor growing up. Um, my dad was really rich growing up, and they met and kind of ended up in the middle. Um, uh, my dad has had lots of different jobs and has moved us around the country because of it. That's why I grew up outside of Chicago and then moved to Cincinnati. Um, it's been an interesting road. Um, I would definitely say a privilege, both like white privilege and financial privilege um, from at least, you know, my parents and um, we're now separated. But I come from a pretty relaxed background. Like I never lost friends growing up to crime yeah. or um, even living outside of Chicago. Um, I knew that my world was very different than the South Side or what a lot of people were experiencing that, in that area. And um, moving to Cincinnati, I think, really opened my eyes to um, how real things are because it is such a smaller city, whereas in Chicago, you can be in an area that's lower economic and then just leave it and it doesn't exist anymore, you know, outside of that bubble or in your own little bubble. Um, it's really gentrified. It's, like, much worse than Cincinnati, I would say. Um, yeah. It's, like, really, like, tragically awful in yeah. Chicago, I would say. And I, it was never something I was exposed to because um, I was able to be sheltered from it, or I was sheltered from it, but moving to Cincinnati really opened my eyes to realities, and moving here, um, I kind of dropped off of uh, my parents' plan for me, didn't want to go corporate, tried to work at a magazine for, like, a year, hated it, hated living in a cubicle, and so I'm, I'm kind of doing my own thing. Um, that wasn't really my family's plan for me. <laughs> Oops. And um, so I'm in the music community, and they've, they've accepted it. They they like it now. I had to write some tense emails to my dad and be like, this is me, Dad. <laughs> I'll never be, you know, jet-setting to Maui on the weekend or whatever. Emails? Emails, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a pussy. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can say that. I'm a, I'm a pansy. A <laughs> pansy. And, you know, it's hard to disappoint your parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here I am. I would address that you're successful too. Oh. Yeah. You doing what you love is is success, you know. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. And I think now I'm gonna brag about Mad <laughs> and cry. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, well, I'm gonna brag. But I think a lot of people look up to you as a strong person, um, a musician, and your music kicks ass. And, like your lyrics kick ass and you always have like a way of putting things into into words that other people can't do it. Um, so I think you're you're a badass woman. Thank you. That is a lot coming from you. Thank you. Yeah, I think you. I think you do a good job of like representing a lot of people. Yeah. That's, that's, Enough. That's very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what kind of faith background did you grow up in, if any? Yeah. Um, I grew up uh, Roman Catholic, um, but I like to call it Mexican Catholic because <laughs> it's very different from yeah. just like white Catholics um, we're very religious but we're also very like paranormal spiritual yeah. um, so it was that it was it was uh, it wasn't always like super prevalent but it was always like we were Catholic I was baptized my first communion my sister and brother did their uh, confirmation and everything um I opted out, but mm. yeah, I opted out when I <laughs> when I was a teenager. But yeah. did that upset your family? No, my mom was really cool about it. Um, other people in my family are confused about it. Um, 
they're never rude about it, but my mom, who was the only person I really cared about, uh, was really cool. She was just kind of, like, confused, but she wasn't, like, questioning. I remember I had, like, like a section in my furniture, like, where it was supposed to be, like, religious, Virgin Mary, Virgin Guadalupe stuff. And I just, like, gave it back to her. And I was like, Mom, like, I don't want this. And she's like, why? And I was like, I just don't, it's not for me. And she was like, okay, well, just give it here. And um, that was, like, my coming out as an atheist to my mother. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was really easy for me. Uh, but I know that's not the case for many Mexican households where you would be, like, excommunicated from your family. <laughs> so I was very thankful for that. Um, my mom is in a really small religion that um, some would be a cult, maybe. And um, my dad is kind of your basic run-of-the-mill, like, Christian on Christmas, white, mm. sub- suburban dad that, like, I think he believes in Jesus. I, I don't I don't know. And then I also um, come from a really historically powerful Hebrew family. So um, interesting crossroads for me, personally. <laughs> What kind of, uh, you can go more into detail about your mom, if you're comfortable. Sure, yeah. Um, my mom found a guru um, in Oklahoma that kind of showed her to um, a smaller religion that she classifies as a blend of Buddhism and Christianity um, that has its own set of uh, beliefs and biblical beliefs and um, what the Bible is lying to us about and what the Bible is telling us the truth about. Um, and just, you know, really unique. And she truly believes in it and um, gets a lot of comfort from it. So um, it's interesting for me as someone that doesn't believe in it. Um, we've really butted heads in the past, especially growing up. I really was Christian. I thought it was really Christian. And, you know, when she said, like, well, Jesus didn't die on the cross. He ran away. I was like, what? No. <laughs> like, she, um, you know, but it's my mom. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's very, it's interesting. I have a question. So do you identify as Christian right now? Or? Um, I really identify like mostly as Hebrew, since that's where my family comes from. But, um, you know, I identify as Christian as like anyone in Ohio identifies yeah. as Christian. But, you know, I like Christmas. <laughs> I like Easter. Um, Jesus was a good dude. He was really he was nice. A good dude. Yeah. Um, the nicest. And I, I'm really for what, um, the Bible's second half. Um, and I really believe that and I don't believe in any of the um, like anti-LGBT or anti-womanism that is in the first part of it on the Old Testament but the New Testament is my shit for it can I say words like that on your podcast? probably not (laughs) I love the New Testament (laughs) Uh, what are some ideals from like your parents or like your upbringing that really stick with you as positive like tools and outlooks for life? Does it have to be religious-based or just in general? Uh, more so religious-based, but if you feel so loud, to share. Um, I can speak up. Go ahead. Um, with my parents being of two different faiths, and then my dad, um, his background... What they are. Okay. Um, with my dad being a different religion than my mom, um, and then also my dad's background being a different religion from his own religion, I was raised to just, like, accept everyone, and, like, if they get happiness from it, if they get joy from it, and if it's not hurting anyone else, to, like, truly just not care what it is. So I think coming from, like, a um, mixed religious background um, was really beneficial with 
the level of empathy that I have for different upbringings, especially being in America right now and seeing the way people bicker over religion, like, I just can't understand it, because, you know, at the heart of it all, it's kind of all the same. Period. Done. <laughs> um, there was never really anything that really stuck with me religious-wise. It was, with us, it was just, you know, be nice to people, and that was, yeah. like, our very, like, basic religious thing. I was like, be nice to people. And I was like, okay. Um, I did go to, like, what's it called? Like, when I did my first communion, I, like, did that school. And we just, like, learned a lot of just, like, ideal morals. But they're really not, to me, religious morals. They're just more, like, basic morals that everyone learns. You know what I mean? Like, nice to people, um, karma, um, all that kind of stuff. But nothing that was, like, specifically religious. So... Uh, what are some ideals from your parents or from the religion you were brought up in that you like view negatively or that you've kind of like refused as you've grown older? I will never give anyone um, money for spiritual enlightenment, whether that's like a Catholic church or a leader or a book anything like that I think um, and I see that in my parents and I see that in um, other groups that when you look at the Bible and um, church was just two Christians meeting up it wasn't supposed to be this huge conglomerate I think that's kind of the downfall of most major religions is um, church is corporation and bureaucracy yeah. and that's now become um, something that's both um, capitalistic as well as spiritual but I think the blending of those is really negative so I'll never give anyone um, money to feel good about the afterlife for myself. Yeah, I mean, kind of going off that, about giving money um, to churches, uh, one of the conversations, it wasn't really a conversation, it was just my mom ranting. Uh, <laughs> so a conversation. <laughs> it was, I don't know how it came up, but she started saying how like, she thought it was really, really messed up, and she's a Catholic um, woman, that's been all her life. Uh, I just thought it was really messed up how like the Pope can have all these like nice things, travel the world, XYZ, um, and really just have everything paid for him by Catholic people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she just I remember her like being like mad and annoyed that people were doing that and people who were like really poor just like so willingly gave money to like churches and she was really com- I think she was more or less confused and that made her angry. Um, but I remember her saying, like, she cannot support um, the idea that Jesus had, like, sandals and the Pope sits on a golden chair. And I was like, Mom, like, too real for me. I'm eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of the things I was saying earlier is, like, my mom uh, was always, like, she's, like, at heart a rebel. Uh, but with her religious background she was still able to like you know question things and I think that has really played a part into my growing up as I like, always questioning things and calling things out but that's something I couldn't agree with ever and then obviously like any anybody who uses like religion to be homophobic uh, anti-woman like any kind of um prejudice or like have any kind of hate backed by religion I obviously don't second that 
but I I would like to say that's like down on the decline, but it still happens, and I can't I can't co-sign it with that. So. This is like a very open-ended question, uh, so feel free to just like ramble or whatever. But like, what does like peace mean to you? Like, when you think of peace, like what? What do you think about? I have. To um, so me, it's just tolerance, really. Um, tolerance and coexisting. Um, the world is way too big for us to have this sophomoric idea that everyone's always going to agree uh, and have the same belief system. It's way too big. Like, the United States is too big. Ohio is too big. So, like, the world itself is too big <laughs> for everyone to agree on everything. Um, so that just means I just couldn't uh, Obviously, that's hard to do when there's so much hate coming out. Can you, you can't always, like, coexist with that. But it's coexisting. And I know it's, like, almost an impossible dream because the world is too big but to me that's what peace looks like and it if it means just having peace in the community that's fine but I agree I was going to say like the same stuff like realizing that like you can't um, make every culture colonized under yeah. one belief and once that's accepted and once um differences are celebrated instead of trying to be rolled out whether it's by any um, any religion I think that's when we'll be able to achieve peace yeah like that really it is all the same like everyone most of the major religions believe in one spiritual leader they believe in an afterlife they believe in peace and not murdering each other and this and this and this and you get these radicalized groups of course but at the core most major religions they all have a lot of common ground if you start looking at like the common grounds between us as people um you know get along be nice and the only thing <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I don't need to pop off on you yeah. um, but like think differences being celebrated like to me peace doesn't even involve that it's just being like you're different cool and like you and I have had this conversation a lot about like if you don't have with someone or something like you don't have with it that doesn't mean you have like negativity towards it it's just like that's what peace is I don't right. have with you but here you are and we're living um so sorry to drag no I agree and like yeah. by celebrated I don't even mean like a super like fox glee like but like just like like when I listen to what you're saying now like I don't at all know about being a Mexican Catholic obviously that like I'm celebrating your experience growing that way and I'm listening and I'm talking about it and I feel like that's celebrating it's like giving it space Mm -hmm. you know I'm like, oh my god, Diego, you're so cool because you're Mexican and Catholic, you know? Because that's, like, totally not right. That's yeah. not the right course. And I remember, like, being in high school, whenever we would do, like, training, something inclusive, mm-hmm. I know people who would be like, I love the gay! Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. That's not, like, and that's so sweet. That's too much. It's that, fake. It, it, um, when... There's, like, a line where people step over being inclusive and cut people out. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's not... I don't look at you and I think, like, oh, my God, he was raised so different from me. I'm, like, it's my boy. Yeah. You know, I'm, like, I love the gays, you know, <laughs> obviously as a queer person myself. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, 
I see the way you're different. I love that about you. We talk about it. It's not like I don't see color. Like I see your fucking color <laughs> or whatever. But it's not something that also um, like affects our friendship. Yeah. But if, like everyone can just do that. Yeah. That would be cool. I guess. <laughs> like, you said it best, like, just give it space. If it's not your thing, at least just give it space. Right. You know? like, like, if you ever see something um, religiously or, like, you know, you talk about saints and spiritualism. And, like, I remember one time we had a conversation where you were like, I'm Mexican, I like candles burning. Yeah. And I was like, Diego, your house is going to catch on fire. Like, it wasn't, like, that stupid or, like, I don't agree with that spiritually. It was just like, honey, don't leave a candle burning. You know? And that was, like, all it was. And I didn't pop off or whatever. And now I turn my candles off. Don't die. I love that about you. The Lord will handle the candles. <laughs> well, the Lord says no house fire. <laughs> I will, like, I don't know if I like, made this clear, though. I think I maybe touched on it, but I am pretty convinced. Just okay. to clarify it on that. But the Lord also said, Daniel will not have any fires. <laughs> and it's fine. Um, do you see, like, peace or like efforts for peace being made in the Cincinnati DIY community. No. Uh, well, <laughs> what, if no, like what do you think needs to happen or what would you do differently if you could like immediately fix the situation? I think in Cincinnati um, it's a historically segregated town like when you just look at the basic city planning of the town black people were kept from white people they put a highway through the town they made it hard for black people to succeed here they made it hard for people of color to succeed here um don't let me speak for diego because i'm sure he has more to say but it's just a historically segregated town and i think that feeling carries into the DIY community because it's not like we're um, so much better just because we play punk music or have radical ideas. I think the climate of the city affects that. Um, And I just see a lot of people kind of having their own ideals, um, such as feminism or atheism or just whatever people really care about. They have one thing and they look after that one thing and that's like LGBT or feminism or punk or whatever. And I feel like most of the time people get blindsided to maybe other people's struggles here um, because they're so focused on their own struggle. Um, So I think if maybe allowing everyone else to have a voice and allowing other people to speak, even if that means that they don't get to speak on their own thing, I think that's something that could help, maybe. Because, you know, everyone here is really trying their best, and, like, uh, there's so many good intentions that it becomes, a like, a boiling point after a while where everyone is like, no, this is the right thing to do. No, this is the right thing to do. And if it's a bunch of people, even if they have the best intentions, just screaming at each other, that's still fucking screaming, you know? I think you said it best. There's a lot of good intentions, um, but they aren't always completely realized. Um, and all that has to do with segregation and just I don't know you said at one time like it's hard to like not have POC friends or have a show that doesn't have a POC person playing or a woman playing like it's it's pretty hard you know what I mean um and like I said I don't think people do that intentionally I don't think people go out and they're like I'm only gonna book like a white male band but <laughs> it's also like but it happens but it's happening all the time it happens all the time yeah. and it's just like can you like take a step back and be like let's include like this band who has this person this POC this woman this trans woman whatever the case may be playing let's include them so they have a different 
our audience has a different narrative. Yeah. To like listen to. You know what I mean? So, I think like, sometimes people, not to interrupt you, they okay. see that as pandering, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, but it's not. It's, you know, giving a platform. And I know when I started doing music here in Cincinnati, so many women and like queer people came up to me and they're like, because I saw you, I'm going to do this. And it's like, if I, like a, an idiot at the <laughs> age of 24, have had an effect, like imagine that what would happen if we gave a platform to other people, to like everyone. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe that means I don't get to play at the Comet every single night. That's okay, <laughs> you know? Um, do you have any personal stories if about like a situation that you would have liked personally to like have seen handled in a different way or like in what way do you think like the community has hurt you and then like how have you proceeded and like do you think the way that you proceeded was peaceful or like like where where are some growing points on each end as far as like the negatives about the DIY community That's a very loaded question. Yeah. Um, I think the number one negative um, symptom of the DIY community I've seen with myself and other people is that there's this overwhelming um, ideal to get along with everyone. And yeah. where in theory, that's a really good thing, but in practice, it becomes accepting people who hurt you and never speaking on the pain and the abuse and the um, trauma that comes attached with these people. And that's not, you know, call-out culture, and that's not a Facebook fight, but that's, you know, seeing someone and being like, I'm not going to go to that show because that man tried to assault me outside of Urban Artifact. And it's like, that's a very real thing, and I'm not going to get along with that man. I'm not going to smile at him. I'm not going to go to his shows. And when I've, um, I started doing music and DIY in Cincinnati when I was in college and I, I went along with the flow I was like a college girl you know like that's what we do we uh, smile and say thanks and play our music and flirt with boys and when I started to um, look that back in the face and be like I'm not going to be his friend if he's mean to me or I'm not going to be their friend if they treat me like shit because I'm a woman or a femme or whatever or if I see them being racist to my friends I'm not going to go to their shows and um I've really gotten a lot of backlash because of that. I'm seen as less chill. I'm seen as less cool. Like, I can't hang out. And it's like, when did that become the standard of punk to be totally complacent with everyone's maybe um, not-so-great ideals? And I think we have to go... We have to talk through these problems in a peaceful manner to achieve peace and ignoring it um, or letting people hurt each other and then being like, haha, see you at the comet. It's like these traumas build and build and build to a boiling point where I feel like no one can really talk and no one feels like creating art. And the art is useless, really, if it's not um, helping people, if it's not helping the most marginalized groups. Period. Uh, period. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, I am not a huge fan of the social media bickering fights. Yeah, um, that's a good I, point. I think that comes from like me growing up again in Chicago, Mexican hood. <laughs> it's like if you have a problem with someone, you address it. Yeah, like, to your face. not a, yeah, like in the hood, but I do. Think <laughs> that's a, it is a really Chicago thing, and Diego and I have talked about that. Where we're like, we're not from here. Why don't people talk about things? Yeah. It's like crazy being here. And it's so weird because, like, it's so frustrating for me because the things that have happened to me, I'm not going to venture into that, is that people are always like, well, if you have a problem with me, well, you say it to my face, da 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 um, And I try to, and I'm like, okay, this is the problem I have with you. And then it's like, well, you're just being, like, emotional, like, why are you breaking this all out? 
And it's like, because you told me to. So it's like, would you rather me do this or call you out on Facebook? And I'm never going to do that. And people only care about Facebook. Yeah. They only care about what's seen by everyone. They don't yeah. care about, you know, fixing a one-on-one yeah, that's my problem. relationship, I, I feel like. Yeah, and that's my problem is that, like, to me, my my personal life, like, the, the interactions I have with people, I want to, like, handle with that person. I don't want to, like, go on Facebook or Sriracha Sarahas or whatever yeah, it's Sriracha. whatever it's whatever called whatever form spring knockoff <laughs> like I want to handle things with people one on one and I feel like Cincinnati wants to be that way but for whatever reason can't they can't handle someone like coming up to them and being like I don't like this you this hurt me this, this hurt me my... Yeah. yeah this hurt me I, I don't like you or I'm not gonna be your friend People can't handle that, and it's weird. It's just like bizarre to me because so many of that uh, call-out culture, I think, again has good intentions, but I just, to me, fixing people—I I don't like saying that term—but like fixing relationships, maybe it's a better term, terminology. Starts with like having conversations with people. You know what yeah. I mean? Not over Facebook. Not over trying to drag someone not ever trying to have like all these likes like, it's really this like is, fear this like fear of conversation yeah you know? when it's about having the most likes and who has mm-hmm. the most like social media reaction and like even when you see in the DIY community Facebook arguments you can see what side is winning because people will literally like their comments mm-hmm. and it's it's like like is this gang wars now is like super neutered Facebook conversation and it's it's confusing because it goes back to I think we all have really good intentions I don't think anyone yeah. in this town would be like I'm racist I'm sexist but you know we all act that way every once in a while yeah. so I think being able to address that in a healthy matter I would love to see that happen yeah love it it's this like this need for nonviolent communication and like yeah. whether the violence is like on social media or like physical violence like it's this lack of opportunity for conversation and like people refuse to grow it's more of this like being wrong or like right kind of yeah and then and it's all shades of gray because it's not like anyone i don't believe anyone in this community um besides some really tragic individuals are evil or inherently awful i mean we're all mostly young 20 somethings like none of us know what we're doing I don't, and that's why I constantly say when people say they look up to me as, like, DIY hero, I'm like, I'm an idiot, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I have no plan, and I work in food service, but thank you for the compliment, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, and I think some people do think that they know what they're doing, and I would hope that they can rethink that, because yeah. none of us are Kim Gordon, none of us are Patti Smith, and they certainly had no clue what they were doing, I've read their autobiography, <laughs> lots of coffee and Adderall. Yeah, I think, yeah, in my experience, my biggest problem has been people wanting to play this role of, I am confrontational, if you have a problem with me, talk to me, and then when I try to do that, it's like, it doesn't come across as the way they said it would, so that's my problem. Would you relate any of that back to, like, uh, faith backgrounds, or, like, do you feel like you communicate or navigate through situations better because of, like, the way you're raised and the tolerance that you guys have like coming from like a multi-faith blended background I've grown to be like super tolerant of people and if they have something that they like truly believe in that I don't believe in it's just like cool you know and I've had some people in my life that are 
really for one cause or one thing or they think this one form of art is whatever they think is the best and they think it's the best and if I don't think it's the best like who am I to say like that sucks dude or that that song sucks it's just being like cool that's awesome because someone out there is going to appreciate it someone's going to get something out of it so yeah I do think coming from like my faith background um, and like really historically from a Hebrew background and being persecuted and like half of my family is gone because of the Holocaust it's like damn y'all let's get along let's not repeat that because <laughs> it, it does start with um, these interpersonal um, communications because you know when you're 20 something those are the people that grow up to be politicians those are the people that grow up segregating whole countries instead of just their music community this is the baby version of America <laughs> um, nothing again super religious with me uh, I will say the one moment in time when I decided to stop having Facebook altercations with people was in high school. Uh, there was this, like, guy who was really... He was either Baptist? I think it was Baptist. And I was atheist at the moment. But it was the first time that, like, someone really called it out that, like, not everyone believed in saints. And I was like, okay, I'm atheist, but, like, I don't understand why you don't understand, like, why people would do or want to, like, pray to saints. Uh, and I would just, like, go back and forth, and every day in history class, literally every day in history class, we would have arguments about this. Um, and I think just my mom, like, having her to be, like, very, like, not aloof, because it wasn't aloof, it was just very, like, IDGAF about anyone else and yeah. their religion. Um, I think that's when I was like, I don't care what this guy's religion is. Yeah. Just do him. Um, so, I don't know. Uh, why do you think, like, conversations about faith are hard to have? Um, it's because people are scared to have them. And I mean that in many different ways. I think people in a DIY community who are religious uh, are afraid to say they are religious because they think they'll it's get back cool. there's it's, no space it's not cool yeah there's no space it's not cool for them to be like oh like in a scene that's like primarily agnostic atheist actually I don't even know if that's true I it's just it's true it's true okay they're scared to like go against the status quo of like oh well I'm actually like I'm Baptist you know um I think that's a big reason in our little small community um and then people who aren't religious are scared that people are going to pounce on them. Mm. So. I think it's, you know, it's a double-based fear, like Diego mm-hmm. said, um, that when people are spiritual, they're afraid to say that because they're going to be seen as, you know, bigots. Yeah. And then when people aren't spiritual, um, they kind of have this anger coming from it because it's usually people like Diego that have left the faith. So there is... Something, and I don't, again, I want to speak for you, and I, I guess I can say that for myself. When you leave a faith, there's a lot of trauma involved. It's hard. It's usually what your parents raised you up as. So I think navigating that as a 20-something in any community, um, even the DIY community, it's difficult. It's triggering because um, there is a lot of pain because it, it's not ever just like a faith. It's your family. It's the way you were raised. It's your blood for many people. I think there's also, with religion, it's just a lot of, like, opinion-based for people. Mm. Um, and you can't really argue with opinion. But God knows people try. Yeah. <laughs> and then you kind of walk that line of, like, trying, like, if you're an atheist going against, like, a uh, religious person, like, trying to, like, bring up all these facts, and then 
the religious person being like, well, these are, these facts are not true. And it's just like, it's very, it can get very catty very quickly. I think that's what people don't want to do. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier, people don't want to have these intense conversations face to face. Um, they'd rather sit behind Facebook and, you know. Or, you know, sit with their friends that are all just like them yeah. and be like, Diego's a Mexican Catholic. <laughs> he believes in voodoo, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and it's funny because it's so lame, but it, it happens. It happens here. Yeah. You see um, clicks of the same type of people, the same, you know, white punks or so-and-so, and they all hang out with each other and they all have the same spiritual beliefs. And it's like, what happens when you just meet someone that's different from you and you and you talk with them, and you like, are friends with them, and it's fine. Like, the world doesn't explode. And then also, I, we've talked a lot about Christianity, but, like, people who are Hebrew Buddhists, like, I feel like a lot of times they get mocked if they say they are Hebrew Buddhists, because it's, like, it's almost... It's so not the norm in, in uh, Ohio and the United States that if you are a white person who doesn't subscribe to either atheism or Christianity-based, it's like people think you're trying so hard to be different. You know what I yeah. mean? Or especially like in the young people. People are afraid. Yeah. People, Even like like Indian religions and backgrounds yeah. and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So. Um, okay, this will be our last question. Cool. Uh, I feel like I'm just getting stupider and stupider. <laughs> no, 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 these are good. Um, yeah. So how important do you think faith, uh, and faith being like whatever relationship that you have or do not have with a higher power, like not Christianity, but like your particular like personal faith, like how do you think, how important to leading a happy and healthy lifestyle do you think that is? Do you, do you think about faith all the time? Like, does it help you? Does your particular, like, outlook give you some sort of, like, bolster to, yeah. like, get through things? Yeah. Um, you know, I've experienced a lot of hardships in my life. I've been raped multiple times. I've been abused in most of my relationships. And I don't think, you know, like, God is saving me, but I can't help but think that there's... There's a reason, even if there isn't, like, some beamy, happy afterlife where we're all sipping Mars with 24 virgins or whatever, but that um, there's something, there's a reason to it, and um, and I experience that in my life when people tell me that my music means something to them or that I've gotten them through hard times. Like, I've had women come up to me and be like, when I was suicidal, I listened to your music and I felt better, mm-hmm. and that's spiritual to me, that's something that feels like what I went through and that I was able to translate it into music and art and every different form that I have. Um, it just feels like I was put on this planet to um, to vocalize struggle in that way because it, it helps people. And But I also can recognize that you know, maybe that's all horseshit. Maybe that's silly of me. I don't know. You kind of, you people find their own reason to be okay. Um, so it's kind of weird because like I like I've said, I am atheist, but I I always think about, like, heaven or afterlife a lot. Um, and to me, and also the way I was raised, is if you're a good person, you go to heaven. And that's weird coming from, like, the Catholic person, where you have, like, all these, like, bullet points you have to, like, really, you know, complete to get into heaven. But with my family, it was like, if you're a good person, you go to heaven. And I've always just thought... Uh, 
I don't know, like, this is going to be a little bit too personal, but to me it was always like, well, like, if you're, like, good, you know, whatever, you get to heaven. And I remember, like, I think it was, like, my aunt was, like, um, mentioned how, like, we're all going to, like, hang out with my dad, like, in heaven. And I've always been, like, that was back when I was, like, still Catholic, and that's, like, very instilled in me. Um, so I still have, like, that hope that, like, I'm a good person, even though I'm not religious, I'll still get into this, like, nice afterlife where I'll hang out with the dad and, like, talk a mess about all these <laughs> boys. You know what I mean? Um, People so want everything to be okay at the end. Yeah. So. All of us want that. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> no. live for the drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's always been, like I said, me being atheist. I think a lot of people like don't see me as having faith or whatever, um, but I still have faith that like people are cool, people are nice. If you're a good person, and there's an afterlife, it won't matter like what religion you're in. You'll just go to the paradise. And like again, like I'm 21 years old, I have no idea about <laughs> life or the world <laughs> or the afterlife. <laughs> so that's Anyone just my. Out, yeah. yeah. So it could be you. <laughs> that's just my very naive viewpoint. All right. Thanks again to Kiana for hosting this conversation. I know that I really enjoyed listening into this, and I hope that our listeners did too. Um, part of my, I guess, my bias when I'm looking at um, this ministry of Dunker Punks is always to find the challenge. And any time that we give people the opportunity just to talk about their experiences with the church, often what they'll go to is, is the ways that they see the church letting them down. And so listening to those conversations, it's not hard to find the challenge. Um, from this conversation, I would urge listeners to think about the ways that they can tear down some of the barriers and the walls that exist between religious practice and true covenant with God and true living into God's vision of peace and justice for the world. I really appreciate that Kiana ended this conversation by asking her participants how they carry faith with them. And so that's the question that I'll leave for you. How do you carry your faith with you? So thanks again for listening. The Dunker Punks podcast is produced by a team of contributors from all across the United States who seek to carry our faiths with us by tracking down stories of God moving in the world today. Our episodes are produced by Emmy Gehrig and Kevin Schatz, and our executive producer is Suzanne Lay. Our Dunker Punks music is by Jacob Krauss. If you like what you heard, you can hear uh, more episodes by going to arlingtoncob.org slash DPP. Um, also, if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always reach out to us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. We're always looking for new ideas, new thoughts, new comments, new criticism, uh, also for new contributors. You can also follow along on social media. We're at DunkerPunksPod on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Snapchat. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.